Well, welcome to the Miami Church Podcast. My name is Greg, and I am so glad that you are listening right now. Listen, man, life is hard, but we are here to help you. And so I hope you enjoyed today's message. And man, our, our, our real prayer and our real hope is that, that the message today will help you take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. In preparation for this message, I ran across a 2014 Huffington Post article titled, Michael Bloomberg is sure he has a spot in heaven. In the article, they reference a New York Times interview with the former New York City mayor. At the time, Bloomberg was 72 years old. He was being interviewed just before his 50th college reunion. Bloomberg talked about how sobering it was to realize how many of his classmates had passed away. But the journalist, Jeremy Peters, observed, that Bloomberg didn't seem too worried about what waited for him on the other side. Peters wrote, if Bloomberg senses that he may not have as much time left as he would like, he has little doubt about what would await him at Judgment Day. Pointing to his work on gun safety, obesity, and smoking cessation, he said with a grin, I'm telling you, if there's a God when I get to heaven, I'm not stopping to be interviewed. I'm heading straight in. I've earned my place in heaven. It's not even close. My first thought when I read that was, wow, I wish I had his confidence. No, that's not what I thought. Actually, my first thought was a question. If given the opportunity, I would have asked the former mayor how good is good enough? Compared to whose standard? Are we comparing ourselves to Mother Teresa good or Charles Manson good? In all seriousness, I understand his sentiment. We all do this, right? We weigh the bad against the good. We say things like, well, I'm not that bad. I mean, I've never robbed a bank or, God forbid, killed anyone. The reality is this is what most of the world believes. In fact, many of the world's religions teach that if you just do more good than bad, you will be rewarded in the afterlife. Again, I would ask the same question. How good is good enough? Christianity tells us something completely different. In Romans 3, verses 23 to 24, the Apostle Paul tells us, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. So who's everyone? It's you, it's me, and all that inhabit this planet. The standard we are held to is God's standard. <laughs> Whoa, that's heavy, right? You might be saying to yourself, of course I could never live up to God's standard. As a matter of fact, I don't even think I want to know because I could never meet those standards. And you would be right. The truth is, we can barely meet our own standard, much less God's standard. If Paul stopped with verse 23, I would agree with you 100%. But look at verse 24 again. 
Yet, God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. Paul says that in another way in Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It grace makes us God. His grace makes us right. Not our good works. This is what we call good news. Grace is not something to be earned, but rather something to be received. It's a gift. If you were to sum it up in one word, grace is Jesus. See, Michael Bloomberg has it all wrong. As long as we think we're not that bad, we miss out on God's grace. We miss out on experiencing the life Jesus promised. In John 10.10, he says, I come to give you life, abundant life. Not a life void of sorrow and pain, but a life filled with joy regardless of our circumstances. Fun fact, the word grace appears over 170 times in the Bible. However, Jesus never used the word grace. God left that up for Paul and the apostles. So what is grace? In order to understand grace, we must first address the elephant in the room. Sin. Grace, divorced from sin, is not grace. See, we can't possibly answer the question, what is grace, without addressing sin. FYI, the word sin appears over 400 times in the Bible. I kind of think it's a pretty big deal, don't you? So, So what is sin? It's right there in verse 23. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Sin simply means to miss the mark. It's any time we fall short of God's glorious standard. Sin is anything that keeps us from experiencing the fullness of God, his love, and his mercy. Grace has been defined simply as unmerited or undeserved favor. You might be saying, oh, okay, Mike, sure, sounds good, but come on, really? That's it? That's the best you can do? And I hear you, believe me, I felt the same way when a pastor gave me the same definition. I was like a deer in the headlights, like, huh? Let me share an analogy with you that was extremely helpful for me in trying to understand grace. Imagine you're on your way to church. You're running late, right? You're hoping and praying that you'll get through all the green lights and there won't be any reds, when all of a sudden, in the rearview mirror, you see the dreaded red and blue flashing lights. What do you do? You pull over, right? You do the right thing. You roll down your window, And out of the side view mirror, you see the police officer getting out of his car. As he approaches your car, you're already formulating in your mind what you're going to say to get yourself out of this ticket. And it might go something like this. The first thing that happens is you go into a phase of denial, right? Officer, I had no idea I was speeding, right? You know in your heart that you were speeding. The next thing a lot of us will do is we try to minimize. When we minimize, we miss out on the grace of God. The officer is really necessary. It's Sunday and the traffic's light. 
Was I really going that fast? Third thing we try to do is we compare ourselves. We compare ourselves to the other drivers. You might say something like this. Uh, Officer, didn't you see the red Ferrari? It sped past me. He was going much faster than me. Lastly, our final thing we're trying to get out of this ticket is we try to justify our wrongs. I'm on my way to Miami Church, and I can't miss worship. I love the worship at Miami Church. The officer says to you, well, why didn't you say that in the beginning? Every day I have off on a Sunday, I go to Miami Church too, and I know what you're saying. I love it. The look on your face is startled, right? You're like, okay. Here's what he does. He says, I'm going to let you off with a warning. But hey, would you take this $100 and put it in the offering basket? Here's the deal. You were speeding. You broke the law. You deserve a ticket. You deserve justice. But God, the police officer in our story, does the most loving, unimaginable thing a father could ever do. He gives you a gift. Not only did he let you off with a warning, but he gave you a gift. That's grace, unmerited favor, getting what we don't deserve. In Romans 6.23, Paul puts it this way, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But don't think physical death. No, what Paul is describing is much worse than physical death. What Paul is describing here is spiritual death. Our sin keeps us separated from God's glorious standard and stuck missing out on the full life Jesus promised again in John 10.10. If you want to describe grace in one word, grace is Jesus. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That's the good news. See, what Mike Bloomberg didn't understand is that he, like us, could never do enough good things to win favor with God. But the beauty of the gospel is you don't have to keep score. God's not. I don't know about you, but growing up, I was never taught grace. Now, I sure understood justice. And it usually came in the form of a thin leather belt that my grandfather wore. Or JUG. What's JUG, you ask? It stands for Justice Under God. I attended an all-boys Catholic school, and this was their acronym for detention. Now, this wasn't some go to a room after school and write, I will not sin 500 times. No, it came in the form of physical labor cutting grass on a steep hill with a sickle. You know what a sickle looks like? Fortunately, I only experienced jug once in my four years at that school. But believe me, once was enough. My point is, I had a healthy fear of what justice is, but I had no idea what grace looked like. I never received a gift when I messed up. No, all I ever experienced was pain. Because of these experiences, I grew up with an unhealthy idea of God. God was someone to fear. I thought of God as the God painted on the roof of the Sistine Chapel. It's God laying back on a fluffy cloud with his finger pointing down at the world saying, I see you. Don't do it. Don't do it or you'll go to hell. You think jug is bad. Wait until you experience hell. It wasn't until much later in my life that I was introduced to the concept of grace. I'd blown up my marriage due to infidelity, 
I lost my six-figure job, declared bankruptcy, and I ended up in a hospital for contemplating suicide. I was morally and spiritually broken. For years, I had been struggling with anxiety, depression, and what I, what I would later understand to be mania, or better known as bipolar disorder. Problem was, I never told anyone. Feelings of guilt and shame. I eventually found my way into a church and started hearing about a loving God, a God of grace, mercy, and forgiveness. God's relentless grace had finally caught up to me. However, grace, again, is a gift, freely given, but often difficult to accept. Why? Because in order to receive God's grace, we must stop hiding in our sin. When you can't forgive yourself, and guilt and shame are our constant companions, it's hard to imagine graces for us. However, Paul tells us in Romans 8, verses 37 through 39, he says this, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing could ever separate us from the love of God. That's good news. Let me ask you a question, a fairly difficult question. What unconfessed past or present sin are you hiding from and missing out on experiencing God's grace? Before we can collide with the grace of God, we must come to terms with the depth of our sin, past and present. Grace is, is greater than anything we could ever imagine. Right now, I want you to grab a small piece of paper on one side of that paper, I want you to write grace. In the middle, I want you to put a greater than sign. And then, I would like you to draw a line. Grace is like having a terminal illness and not taking the pill that will cure you. Remember, God's grace is greater than your sin. The greatness of God's grace is we don't have to worry about how good is good enough. Truth is, we're worse than we ever want to admit, but God's grace is greater than we could ever imagine. Now, how do we obtain God's grace? Remember what Paul said in Ephesians 2.8, it is by grace we have been saved through faith. What saves us from our sin is faith. Faith in Jesus and who he said he is. In John 14.6, Jesus states, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What's Jesus saying here? that apart from him, we can never experience the fullness of God through his grace. Jesus is grace manifested in the flesh. We cannot earn God's grace. Only by choosing to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior will we ever experience God's grace, forgiveness, and unconditional love. How good is good enough? It doesn't matter. God's not keeping score. 
that small piece of paper that I asked you to write grace and greater than sign, I now want you to fill in that blank with that sin that I asked you to admit earlier. I want you to crumble that up, and I want you to throw it in the garbage. I also want us to read another verse from the Bible. It's found in Romans. For everyone... It's up. I passed it. same video so you didn't need to clap, right? All right, so here's, just pick up, just say, Roman, just start, just say the scripture and just read it, right? Before we go into a time of communion, I'd like us to read Romans 8 verses 37 through 39 together. It says this, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People were made right with God when they believed that Jesus sacrificed his life Shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past, for he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in the present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Apart from Jesus, we will never experience God's grace. Right now, we're going to move into a time of communion. This is a time when we hold on to a cracker and a cup of juice, reminding us of the sacrifice that God made on our behalf so we don't have to worry about how good is good enough. So as you take that cracker and you take that cup of juice, As Jesus asked, do this in remembrance of him. This is an excellent opportunity. If you haven't already taken that piece of paper and crumbled it up and thrown it in the trash, do it now. Leave that sin at the foot of the cross. Give it up to God. All he wants is for you to offer it to him, and he'll take it away. Don't miss this opportunity. Let's pray. Almighty God, that we can never repay you for the love you express to us through Jesus' sacrifice, God. Lord, help us to continue to accept that gift, that we would accept your grace, your love, and your forgiveness for our past, our present, and our future sins, God. Remind us, Lord, All we need to do is reach out and ask. Love you and ask all this in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening today. 
We would love to hear from you. You can always reach out to us on our social media channels or send us an email at hello at miamichurch.com. Also, be sure to subscribe because you don't want to miss out on any future conversations. I hope our time together inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey.